0: ladies my name is Barbara it's overwhelming here I can sense it all (laughs) Um, well as all my sisters have shared already um, I I truly I'm in the same boat as what they experienced and what they have gone through Um, but there's two things that um, I remember so vividly when I first came to Calvary that it was so genuine you know I can even speak to the pastor and his wife, which I couldn't do before, which was so foreign to me, because we always have a priest that would, he would be so far away, and he's at this pedestal, we could never get to talk with them. So the, I, I, it, I kept coming because it was so loving and genuine. But there was one thing that I, I would like to encourage the, 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 the ladies here, and this actually happened to me at the Ladies Bible Study. You guys have to know that I was not really raised in going to church. Um, we didn't have, we never, I never read the Bible until I actually came to Calvary Chapel, Miami. So everything was very new to me. And, um, I, I came to the ladies Bible study and one of my group leaders, um, she decided to have like everybody pray in individually in her little group. It was a very intimate group. And that was so foreign to me. I was always told to go to your room and be quiet and pray. And so public open prayer was so foreign to me that I when it came to my term I just held hands and I was totally quiet and I couldn't say a word but the love that I sensed from these ladies it's amazing they prayed for me they comforted me they didn't condemn me because I didn't know how to pray and so um I saw that genuine in them and you know it inspires me to do the same thing for each and every one of you guys here. So if you guys are, you know, I, since not knowing anything, I was reading, I was following Pastor Ras and reading his word, but trust me, I didn't know, I didn't really understand anything, but I had such a, a passion to know more of who is this Jesus that Pastor Ras keeps talking about. He wants me to have this relationship with him, and so... I didn't, know, I, I didn't even know that God loved me because I was raised. Everything you do, God is going to punish you. Don't do this or don't do that. God is going to punish you. I thought I, I was afraid of God, but then I learned about the fear of God. You know, having a, a reverence for Him. And you know, the more you seek Him, the more you will find Him. And the more you find him, the more you will love him. And once you get to know this amazing love that he has for you, it's so amazing that he would leave heaven to come to earth and die for me. Who am I that he would do this to me? This song this amazing love. It's just, it, it, it's overwhelming for me when I hear it. And so once you, once you know and you come to know that, you just want to serve him. You want to give back to the Lord of all the things that he has done. And in addition to that, it gives you a burden to pray more, to pray for your loved ones. And you know, if it wasn't coming to this church and coming to the ladies Bible study, that my husband wouldn't be here today. It took many years of praying for him. And that's why I want to encourage you guys, don't give up in praying for your husband or for your loved ones. Mine took four years. It could be 10 years, but God is so faithful and, you know, just realize. And, and one of the things that, you know, scripture, as, as you learn more about God, you know, scripture is going to come alive. You, you're gonna be actually living out scripture. And one of the things that was so personal to me, and I, um, a few years ago, um, it was a friend that I met through the Ladies Bible study. I hope I'm not going over time too much, but I, I wanted to encourage the ladies with this that, you know, um, we heard the news that, you know, she had given birth to a stillborn at nine months. And so, um, so I, I, me and another close friend went right away to the hospital to comfort her and to pray with her. And as I was walking in, I just, something just dawned on me. I, I was telling my friend, you know, this exactly happened to me 25 years ago. I had a stillborn at eight months. And I remembered the scripture that, you know, the, it's in 2 Corinthians 1 through 4. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all troubles, that we comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So the Lord is gonna use you in certain times like this. And, um, you know, I realized that, I guess the Lord has a funny way of telling me it's 25 years for me to understand this so fully, but maybe 25 years is a number that he thinks that I can remember in my head. So, um, but you know, just know that the Lord is gonna meet you in all your needs. We have different seasons in our lives. And, you know, when you have this fellowship of knitting together with the ladies, you serve together, you hear their stories, you are never alone here. You know, all we all go through similar struggles and, you know, share, just come up for prayer. You know, we, we may not know much, but we can pray with you, and you're never alone in this. So please, just reach out. Thank you, guys.
1: name is Angeline. Boy, it's so nerve-wracking to stand up here. <laughs> um, it's so cool that Miss Tanya earlier had shared this verse because that's what I was going to share. That's in Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Um, every morning when my son and I would drive out to go to school, We purpose it to wave and smile at whomever we see in our neighborhood, whether we knew them or not. And it's funny how we get different reactions. Some wave and smile, (laughs) which I think is the right thing to do. Um, Others do a second turn, like shocked that we actually said hello. Um, And then there's others that do wave, but the facial expression is anything but joyful. And then there's still some who actually pretend that we weren't there and continues to go. (laughs) Um, I I remember that uh, hearing that it takes more effort to frown than to smile, so I Googled it. And I learned, on average, there's about 43 muscles in our face and 17 of that muscle is used when you smile but all 43 are being used when you frown. Um, so, I uh, looked up this information uh, in the Henry Ford Health System website and it says, smiling not only offers a mood boost but helps our bodies release cortisol and endorphins that provide numerous health benefits including reduce blood pressure, increase endurance, reduce pain, reduce stress, um, and strengthen immune system. Not to mention smiling is contagious and you can help lead others to do the same by leading uh, by example. Anyway, I remember my first day here at Calvary Chapel in the old location. Um, After a very convicting uh, teaching that day, my husband and I decided this was the church to go to. Uh, We haven't been in church in a very long time and that day just the Lord slapped us around. But we realized we didn't know anybody except for my in laws who invited us to come. So, you know, naturally, when we did come in, there were so many people that greeted us, lovingly smiled. I remember Miss Barbara and Mr. George um, just being really warm to us. Um, Ivan and uh, Iris, Elda and Mandy, they would just like seek us out purposely before and after church to speak to us, to really make us feel at home. But you know, it wasn't always like that whenever we'd come to church, naturally, because they were busy doing the ministry that they're a part of. And soon enough, I realized, wow, everybody seems to know everybody, and they seem to be loving. And that brought that longing in my heart to be a part of it. And so, being Asian and somewhat reserved, I had to fight the feeling of that uncomfortableness and just smile at somebody, and, and say hi. And that's all it took to start the conversation. And in the process, I learned people who likes the great outdoors, like camping and kayaking and that kind of stuff, and people that likes to cook and who can cook. And before you know it, i become part of the church family. And, and the Lord was so gracious and allowed uh, the door to be open for me to be part of the ministry where I volunteered and through laboring with other brothers and sisters, the Lord used that to knit my hearts with them and he continues to do it. And it's really all because Jesus Christ is at the center of it all.
2: this session we're going to do communion so I wanted to take care of some housekeeping before we did that. Um, This is one of my favorite parts of the retreat. If you would take out your name tag and you find someone close to you but maybe you don't know them as well and trade names. The idea would be that you would pray for each other anytime you see this. So you could leave it folded. You could just leave it folded and just trade your name with someone else. This should be like four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second. Okay, great, everyone have a seat. If you can listen to my voice, that would be really helpful that you show me you're listening. All right, ladies. It was a simple trade. (laughs) It was like, here you go. I know, right? If someone asks for your social security number, don't give it to them. (laughs) Um, So we'll be collecting these lanyards at the end of um, the seminar today. So don't, don't put it in your purse. Just leave it next to you so we can collect those in a little bit. Um, hopefully you've gotten um, the little keepsakes from the retreat. You got your little cookie jar. You're free to put whatever you want in it when you go home. I mean, cookies are great if that's what you choose to do um, with that. But I do ask one thing. Every time you see it, pray for the person whose name you got, right? That your heart would be knit together and you would be praying for them. So anytime you see that little jar Right with the theme verse, not only for this seminar, but really for our ladies' ministry. That verse in Colossians two has just been um, resounding when I when I think of and pray for the ladies' ministry of what the Lord's desire would be. So anytime you see the jar, remember to pray for the person whose names you traded with. And I think that's it as far as housekeeping. Oh, I did want to announce that um, we decided to have another gathering. This Tuesday, I mean, I know it happens to be the second Tuesday, but it's just another gathering in case you wanted to continue in this time of fellowship and being in God's word and worship, and you're all welcome. As you've heard, we're going through Psalms, and it's a great book to pick up in the middle of, you know, because it, it doesn't have a lot of context where it's building. It's not like a story. It's these different elements of scripture, so you're more than welcome to come. Uh, we're also going to have a Christmas event the second Tuesday in December. And so we'll have more details for you in that. And that's always a really special night too. So I just wanted you guys to know that, to be mindful of that, that, you know, I know how how often our hearts are encouraged when we're here in this place, in God's presence with each other. And so I just wanted to let you know that Tuesday, we decided to extend the seminar. And also, you know, as we continue through the Bible study. Uh, The next person I get to introduce um, taught me everything I know about ladies' ministry. Pretty much taught me everything I know. (laughs) So, I love you, Mom. Welcome, Missy Self.
3: Hello, ladies. Believe me, not everything she knows. She's her father's daughter. If any of you have not seen how much she is her father's daughter, that's all I have to do. Okay. That being said, okay. So, we've come to the final chapter in this letter that The Lord, through the Holy Spirit, helps Paul to write with other guys next to him. Um, It was great to see all the different women that were able to come up and share. First, we heard that Paul was like a parent to all these people that he didn't even know. Uh, Then we heard about, from uh, uh, chapter two, we heard about all the perils of the popular concepts that were going around. And then lastly, we heard about the practical procedures that we're supposed to actually be putting into our lives in order to make this thing called a real relationship with Jesus actually be just that real. So now we come to this last chapter and we see Paul again through the Holy Spirit giving his guidance. And so before we get to that place where we're going to follow some of that guidance that he gives us. We're going to ask the Lord to be with us during this session. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you've already given to us, Lord, through the speaking of your word, through the many testimonies, through the time of fellowship, and just so many that have come and served us to be able to serve you, Lord. We just pray that you would use this time to your honor and to your glory and that everything that is said and done in this place and beyond be unto you, Lord, to your purpose and for your goodness to be proclaimed throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, we're gonna get to that point where now Paul is guiding us through this final chapter. And so he's talking about um, how we can be guided into having our hearts knit together. And today, when you need guidance, we've heard, right? What do people do? They Google it. Or, how many of you had never been to this building before? Raise your hand that this is the first time you hear, oh wow, well first of all, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Second of all, chances are you pulled out this thing, an app, for your, what, GPS, right? gps can get you anywhere believe me we've had the blessing and the incredible privilege to travel to different places in the world where my husband has been asked to share and just with family time together as well and those gps's can get you through some incredible places that you have no idea where you are but somehow you end up at the right place at the end of it so that's what we're going to be sharing here we're going to going to see some of those GPs in this final chapter that we can all get into this bus that we're on and get to the right destination, the place where we are all going to meet together. So let's start in Colossians 4 verse one. It says, Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And so, if our heart, when our hearts are knit together, it's when we are, GP, good to people, right? We have to be good to people. It's about how you treat others. And we've heard it throughout the different chapters, right? This word here, um, master, is the owner, the Lord, the person in charge, of the what of the bond servants, and that's a doulos. And in this church, we have a, a, a real rapport with that word doulos, the bond servant. And I'll, I won't go into all the details about it, but it was somebody who knew that they owed a debt that they couldn't pay, and so they actually worked themselves out of a debt. It was a work-to-pay program. And so these bond servants had masters, people that, because of their debt, they work for them. And so we see here that we, we are, in verse one, told that it's about how we treat others. Even when we are being fair and just to those people, that's a good thing. And this goodness is evident in how that treatment happens. How do you treat others? In turn, how you treat others will most likely set the precedent of how they treat you back. So when you treat others in the right way, which is, let's say, in a righteous way, you end up with a result. And that result ends up also working in your relationship with the Lord. So you think you're doing something just and fair to somebody, and what that does is it results in the Lord treating you in a just and fair way as well. So it forms like a full circle. In, it states here that masters are to give, and that word give there, it means to reach forth and offer, to supply, to cause one to have, to bring or offer, even to present something to someone. It also means to render or afford from one's own resources or by one's own power. So in other words, ladies, whatever resources, whatever powers you have, Those are what you're supposed to be giving. Out of those resources, we're supposed to be giving justly and fairly to others. The chain is directly related to how you know to be towards others because of what? Because you know not who your bond servants are, but even more important, who your master is. Because we need to understand that each of us has been given a title. Maybe not master, per se, but definitely that of a manager. So as women, we know that as much as things have changed, a lot of things have stayed the same. And we are the ones that end up managing a lot of those, as we heard from another guy, that, the only man that was that addressed us today, uh, that... We are the ones that make all the big decisions. The, better said, all the little decisions. The, you know, the peace in Israel, that's done by our husbands. <laughs> the peace at home with our kids, that's on us. So, but think of it. As managers, we need to understand that we ourselves have a master. And so in verse 1, it's about treating people righteously and fairly. So I have a quick question for you. Would you want the master, that's capital M, to treat you in the manner you treat others? Remember, we will soon be called to account on how we gave to others justly, or how we made it just me. There's a big difference. When we treat others justly, it's rarely just me. When you give to others, Chances are, like the word says, we will not consider ourselves higher than they are, but consider others, especially those of the household of God. And that's who we are right here. This is your house, ladies, and we're all here to treat one another justly and fairly. And even when you go home or on the job, wherever the Lord has, you remember that. We were talking about how only true believers can treat others with that justness and that fairness fairness as well. Verse 2, we move on. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make man- make it manifest as I ought to speak. So, hard turn it together when we are genuine in prayer, genuine in prayer, that's the GP. And what happens when you're genuine in prayer? You, you see doors open, open doors. God opens ways. The word there, earnest, is defined as a sincere and intense conviction, a subject seen seriously, something that you take like on and you go, no, I, I'm really gonna do that. It's not anything frivolous. Is that the adjective that you would use to describe your prayer life earnestly? Do, you, do we sincerely, intensely, and seriously make supplications to the Savior? Or is it just, okay, thank you for the food, it was good, amen. Or, God, get that person away from that, in front of me so I can finally make it to work on time. <laughs> Whatever those, you know, prayers are, are we being earnest and sincere and really seeking the Lord seriously? It's been said throughout all the teachings, when you come and you commit your heart to the Lord, your heart is knit together through prayer. And when you pray with someone else, it's amazing how that happens. But I got news for you, your best friend, the capital M Master, you could pray to him at any time. And when you do do it in that sincere and earnest way, He's there to receive you and to hear you and to supply all that you need. How about the word vigilant? It means to watch. It's a metaphor. It means to give strict attention to, to be cautious, to take heed, lest through remission or indolence some destructive calamity suddenly overtakes one. So in other words, when you are vigilant, it's funny because uh, in Spanish the word for uh, uh, security guard is un vigilante, if I'm not mistaken, right? So imagine being a security guard on your post and your realm of visibility is what you're praying about. Ladies, that's who we are as women. Our homes need a security guard and we're supposed to be vigilant in our prayers. And even those of you that may or may not be open to what, you know, going on a missions trip because of your schedules, whatever, you can stand firm in your security guard position of where you are at home. It is, let me tell you, uh, being a missionary at home sometimes is harder than not knowing the language in some other place. And definitely being a watch guard it, for your home is a calling that only you have. As much as the ladies here, we pray for you and we pray for your families, you're the one on that front line, waiting and seeing what the Lord will do. Okay, next. So um, in these, uh, th- this part here, these, this verse uh, two, I, I, I noticed that I, I found a long list of verses, but I, I dwindled it down because this is the last session. <laughs> uh, So I'm gonna share with you Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44. It says, watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not allowed his house to be broken into. Verse 44 of Matthew 24 says, Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Go two more chapters in Matthew. Matthew 26, starting at verse 38, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, now as I will, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Again, that word, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Ladies, we need to stand guard against our own flesh sometimes. God has called us to be prayer warriors. And even at that moment, when he was in that garden of Gethsemane, about to surrender his life for you and for me, all he asked of them was one simple thing, can can you just be on guard and pray a little bit? And he's asking us the same thing. Two more verses. First uh, Thessalonians five, verse six, it says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So ladies, it's not just about watching you wouldn't want somebody under the influence to be the security guard at your company. What influences are we allowing into our lives that are not letting us be sober, that are not allowing us to be on full alert and in all, with all our senses to know what it is that we're supposed to be praying about? I'll let you guys answer that. And finally, 1 Peter 5, 8. And this is one that many of us probably know as soon as I start saying it. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We're supposed to be on guard because the enemy's out there trying to eat us alive. Literally, I mean, do I even need to explain that today? Many times as women, we feel like those balancing acts that they used to do in circuses a long time ago, you know, um, they're on a unicycle and then they throw them a plate. Okay, one plate. Okay, okay, what happens? Then they throw a vase on top of the plate. Okay, now, okay, now what? Then they throw the ball that goes on top. And that's how we feel. We're like, we're balancing all these things out. And yet, when it comes to us balancing out What's really important, are we really there? When we have a genuine desire to be in the Father's presence, we learn how the Holy Spirit can lead. It's not a mystery we can solve on our own. This is not a unicycle 101 course that we're giving here. It's only He that can show us His ways and which doors He has opened for us. A Holy Spirit-led prayer life is watchful while at the same time thankful, while at the same time hopeful to get those open doors coming to us, or us getting to those open doors. So yes, the things that we're supposed to balance are thankfulness, holiness, and vigilance. Those are the only things that we're, sorry, that we're supposed to be balancing. The rest, we can let it go, let it go. (laughs) Try it. You may be surprised at what gets manifested in your life when you become watchful in your prayer life. Next, we move on to verse five. It says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. So knitting our hearts together happens when we are guarded in our procedures. Guard your procedures. Simply put. Use good sense. Notice I didn't say common sense. <laughs> I said good sense. Okay? Good sense and how do you walk. We have heard this definition before that in the Hebrew culture, it wasn't just like we're going out for a walk. Something that rarely happens here in Miami. But in these days, people would walk everywhere they had to go. So it meant the progress that you do on on a daily basis. It's to make your way to wherever it is. It's how you make, do, use of the opportunities given to you in that time span. So in the Hebrews concept, it was how they lived, how they conducted themselves. So do you show good sense in how you use your time? We have all seen the extreme coupon right? And by the way, redeeming some of those coupons, I got news for you. Don't look around, but some people in this room can tell you firsthand exactly how it works. I'm not one of those people. I've benefited from those people, but I'm not one of those people that knows how to redeem all the things in the right order to the right amount so that at the end I pay 15 cents for two truckloads of stuff. But. We have gifted sisters here who can have that seminar. I don't know, that's another seminar. <laughs> so you do know about, and some of them know it first, firsthand. So what happens is that they come up with this plan and they have a good deal of wisdom, and you can end up, like I said, with that warehouse worth of useful essentials. So here, the Word of God tells us to use wisdom and end up with something of much more value than all the deodorant you will ever need in your life. (laughs) It's better use of your time. That's a coupon. If I could get a time coupon and redeem it as often as possible, wouldn't we all do that? So redeeming that one resource that we can never regain. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Use it, use our time wisely, so many things. It says here, be careful with those things outside. And boy, oh boy, have we not seen so many things going on outside of what God has for our lives. Moving on, verse six, here we go. Let your speech also be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So hearts are it together when you are gracious in your phrasing. How does that happen? It happens when you express the knowledge and grace of God. Okay? So perhaps you are good to people and you have a powerful prayer life. You may even be careful to take caution and wise in how you spend your time. That would be wonderful if you've been able to check off all those verses that we just read but here we are taken to task on how we talk there's a big difference between the world's salty speech (laughs) and the words salted speech close but not even (laughs) originally you know where that term comes from salty just because you know i've i've heard I've heard that they talk about certain people being salty. So I just want you to know where that comes from. It originally, uh, the phrase came from when sailors had a reputation for colorful language. It was called salty. That soon became the way to refer to crude and racy speech. And later, to explosive anger, because since they were seamen, and they were around salt, so they had their salty speech. Thanks to sailors' propensity, in other words, that's, that was their bent, to spout off profanities and suddenly explode on people, salty came to refer also to explosive anger. Wow, okay. I didn't mean it to get that quiet <laughs> here. Okay. Salty in slang is just that. It means angry, upset, or hostile speech, especially due to embarrassment or failure. And ladies, I'm standing up here and I'm speaking to the choir because you guys are all here at a ladies' seminar learning how to be godly women. But you know that there are times, and I'm going to count myself in there, when our speech is not salted. It is salty and just the opposite of what God's word instructs us. When your speech is seasoned with salt, you are a gracious, you're not gross. You're always uplifting rather than upsetting the people around you. And rather than living a life of embarrassment, because you know you're gonna end up wanting to do what? To eat those words if you could. To have the earth to swallow you up at that moment and say, okay, nothing happened here, but that's not what happens. The condemnation, the embarrassment, all that comes back into your life. And rather than being an embarrassment, we want to be ambassadors. Ambassadors. You know how you know an ambassador? They represent their country. And the first thing that they show is how they speak. Because they speak the language of their homeland. Ladies, where's your homeland? What speech is coming out of your mouth? And what nationality are you showing in that speech? We want to be daughters of our king. We want to be right ambassadors. When you speak, do others leave with a bitter taste regarding your way of putting things? Or do they leave better because of how graciously you spoke to them with wisdom, reflecting the way, the truth, and the life? Next, verse seven. Now we get to meet some of these other people that are there with uh, Paul. So we have Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord, who will tell you all the news about me. And I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you they will make known to you all things which are happening here. So hearts are knitted together when you are giving of perspective. And this means you're telling the truth, okay? The truth is told. So when they were sent out, when this man called Tychicus, or Tychicus, which, pick a pronunciation, he was a minister slash messenger and he was sent by Paul both to give and to gather information that will be hopefully a comfort to the Christians there in Colossae. Remember we were told Paul didn't know these people personally So, and he, as we will, we found out in the beginning and we'll find out at the end, it's not like he could get up and go anywhere right now. And so he's sending these guys out, Tychicus is one of them, and Paul recognizes that true Comfort comes from the truth. True comfort comes from the truth because we have a comforter in Christ. And that word, I've exp- we've seen it many times and I've heard it many times. It's not a comforter like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling bad in my bed, so I need my comforter to cover me up. That's not that kind of comforter. Comforter, and those of you that know more than one language, know that it means con forte with strength, your force. God is there to comfort you, to come alongside you and strengthen you. And this is what he wanted the people there in Colossae to feel. He wanted them to be comforted, to have their hearts comforted, For this very purpose, he sends these guys along. He says, listen, I'm not gonna be able to make it this weekend, so I'm gonna send you some friends of mine who are gonna read this letter to you, and they're gonna hear from you what's going on, and they're gonna share with you something that's gonna strengthen you. It's amazing how that happens. Ladies, in a world full of false news feeds and misleading social media, there are those in the family of God to whom we can make known our circumstances. And they can comfort our hearts. And that's a reciprocal thing. It's not just the ladies up here that are praying that get to do this. You get to do this. You get to call someone and share with them or have someone share a verse. Like she was saying, that comforts us. When little kids are sitting in a car and I hear them sharing the verse that they learned in Sunday school with their other siblings, That means that somebody is pouring into that heart and now that little kid is teaching the other one and that has happened. It happened last Wednesday in my car. (laughs) Okay, Lukey, repeat after me. (laughs) Go therefore, go therefore (laughs) to all the nations, to all the nations and baptize them and so on and so on. I'm not gonna recite the whole verse, but you get the idea. Those are things that we get to see firsthand when we get to be those ambassadors. And then, guess what happens? It comes back. When that truth is told, we are comforted. God, indeed, gives us perspective. This is not our home. Things here are not how they are supposed to be. And they haven't been that way for thousands of years. This does not take God by surprise. So seek out a beloved sister, someone who is a faithful minister. Remember, this is not just, like they said, like someone I just heard say, somebody in Sedanos, hey. (laughs) Seek out someone who is a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Jesus uses godly women in this room time and time again to comfort many hearts. Some are distraught, some are disillusioned, some are desperate. Been there, done that, and have received the comfort of the Holy Spirit through the testimony and prayers of others. If you're in that place, don't leave here today without purposing to speak and to seek out that comforting strength from a sister that is solid in her spiritual walk. Moving on, verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barabbas about whom you received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. Okay, I'm going to stop here. Okay, obviously there must be some people that we're not supposed to be welcoming. <laughs> but in this case, it's all good with Mark. Okay, moving on, verse 11. And Jesus, who is called Justice, there are my, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision, They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, or good old Epi, as we found out, (laughs) who is is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you. And those who are in Laodicea, and those in Hierapolis. Here we see that hearts are knit together when we are going for perfection. Have you set that goal, going for perfection? You see, we get help and we can help each other in this thing called godliness. Paul personally mentions the men that he has mentored in the faith. Some of his fellow workers and one that was a fellow prisoner. There is one in particular named Epaphras. Notice his description, a bondservant of Christ. And, you know, it's, okay, I'm going to take a time out because I'm a word for word note person, but here I need to take a parenthesis. We did not call each other up beforehand and coordinate our teachings, but we did pray that the Holy Spirit would do it. Okay, so... Notice that there's this one person, Epaphras, and his description is what? He's a bond servant of Christ. So remember the description of bond servant? It's when you work for something because you owed somebody. And Epaphras is the kind of man that he understood that he was going to work for the Lord because of how much the Lord had done for him and how much he owed the Lord his life. And so what does he do? How does he labor? What's his job description? He's laboring fervently for you in prayer. Notice there's no mention of how he looked. He's the good looking guy in the corner. Doesn't say that. What what he wore, he had the Gucci shoes on. That's the guy. No, it doesn't say that. Uh, It doesn't say how many camels he owned. Rather, it simply states that he prayed that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Remember how we started hearing about verses to pray over your family? This is another one of those verses. Pray that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. What is our claim to fame? What is the hook that people know us by in social media? For what cause do others see our zeal? This is the challenge set before us and at the same time, a perfect pattern for us in our prayers. Think of someone right now. i want to just stop a second. Just think of someone right now and ask the Lord that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. In their lives. Amen. Verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Imphas, and the church that is in his house. Verse 16. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you are likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So in other words, he had all these letters going out and this one made the first stop in Colossae. And then after that, the Pony Express pastors were going to take it to the next place and read it over there. So here we see how then heart turned it together with the greetings from the parishioners. So What does that mean? It means that this epistle was for everyone. It wasn't just one little group, us four, no more. And you know, it's sad that I know what it's like to grow up in church and see little cliques here and there, people that, it's not just that they enjoy the same things, it's that they enjoy themselves and no one else. And that is not what's happening here. Paul writes this epistle, this long letter, this parchment, and uh, he gets others to help him. And when we see this, we, we see his heart. So we are all here receiving the word of God, and yet do we see the need to share it with others? It's not like he wrote the letter to the guy sitting next to him and say, here, Pastor Snow. No, he wrote a letter thinking about people that he didn't even know. Although this correspondence was intended for the believers first in Colossae, Paul makes it a point to say that the letter was to be shared with who? With the Laodiceans. Now, those of you that done your homework and have been in church for a little while, that's, you're gonna know who the Laodiceans are, hopefully. That group may sound familiar to some of us and it's because we find them later on in the book of Revelation They are known as the what? The lukewarm church. Ladies, remember to share what the Lord has shared in your life with others. Everyone could use a word of exhortation today. Today more than other days, maybe. It may even be your seasoned, salted speech that leads someone from being lukewarm into the Lord's loving presence. We all know those people, those people that were once on fire, that are now lost in the sauce, that because of so many factors, they find themselves not fellowshipping anymore or being concerned about what's gonna happen. We're supposed to make sure that they read this epistle. And it may not be on a piece of paper. It may be just your testimony. Share with them what God has shared with you. There's a radio station in town. (laughs) 104.7 104.7 on the FM dial that uh, it said there's a, a program on there that says just that it says we share with you what God has shared with us and so that's what we're supposed to be doing and you don't need to be on the radio to do it God in his loving kindness wants to reach out to even those that are lukewarm again because what time is short Verse 17, I'm looking at the clock here. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And so we see here that hearts are knit together. When you grasp the privilege that we have, it's a privilege. And that means that we're receptive. You have to be receptive to your calling. Now, I'm not, notice how I said your calling and not my calling because you guys aren't called to what I've been called to do. You guys have your own calling. God calls each one of his kids, gives them each one a different name, speaks to them in each, uh, through his word. Everybody gets similar instructions, but you're all in different places. And so that's why it's so important that if we only understood the privilege that we have of being called to be Christians, women of ministry, ladies, do you know that we have sisters around the world that have never been able to sit in a sanctuary with another sister and actually come together and worship the Lord openly, much less be fed physically and enjoy plumbing, hot and cold water. There are places in this world where people are barely able to know where the next meal is coming from. And we've been given this privilege to be in this place at this time for such a time as this. God could have had anybody else sitting in the chair that you're sitting in right now. God could have had any other Season in our life be what we're going through now. But somehow or other, He's called these 147 women, thank you, together for a purpose. He wants us to understand that this is a privilege that we have. And we see three verbs here in this verse one is heed, the other one is receive, and the last one is fulfill. Heed. In the original language, it means to see, discern with your eye. It means to possess the sight, to have the power of seeing, to discover by use, to know by experience. In other words, it's a metaphor to have full understanding of something, to discern and discover and think and have your mind directed to do something. And it also has to do with contemplating something, to weigh it out carefully, examine it. And it's funny because, again, in Spanish, when you want somebody to take heed, you go, oye, ojo. (laughs) Right? You tell them, hey, look out. That's Cubanese. (laughs) Ojo. (laughs) Okay? So that's what Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is telling us. Oye, ojo, check it out. You have to be very perceptive. you got to see the privilege that you have here. Do you know you're calling in the Lord? And then Paul goes on and he asks, receive. Because it's one thing just to perceive, to see it. It's another thing to receive it, to take it in to oneself, to join it to you, to make it your companion, to acknowledge one to be such as he professes to be. In other words, to be real not to reject and not to withhold obedience. How many of us have been hurt by people that said that they were something and they turned out to be just the opposite? May that never be said of us as women here. So we are not just to have it and receive it, but we're not to reject it. And that comes when you are fulfilled. Fulfilled, so filled that nothing else fits in. You're rejecting what the world has fulfilled. It makes to make full, to fill, to cause to abound, to fill to the top so that it's completely full measure to um, realize and execute and accomplish, to ratify, to have that full fulfillment, to be full and filled with the Holy Spirit. So as you can see behind me, you guys got it, right? All the GPs, treating others, opening doors. Good to people means how you treat others. Genuine in prayer means that you open doors. Guarded procedures are good sense. Gracious phrasing expresses knowledge. Giving perspective, the truth is told. Going for perfection helps in godliness. And greeting from parishioners is the epistle for everyone. When we grasp the privilege, we're receptive to your calling. And all together it says, together, very good. So together, we're following those GPS directions. And then that's when we get to the divine destination. And that is a place of grace. Grace. Wow, you guys, good readers, I like it. (laughs) And we'll end with this, verse 18. This salutation by my own hand. Signature, Paul. And then he puts this little phrase in there. He says, remember my chains. And then he says, grace, be with you. Not just to you, but with you. Amen. You see, ladies, hearts are in it together when grace is the point. It's the final point. It's the destination. It's the final GP. Are we pointing to grace in our lives, three things that I see here in this ending. First, he, Paul, closes his final sentence using his own pen. It's his signature there. All that other, uh, the rest of the four chapters, he probably had somebody else writing, writing it out. And why do you think that is? Why can't he write? It's not because he doesn't want to. It's not because he's lazy. It's because, secondly, he has a simple request to remember his situation. And what is his situation? He's in chains. This letter that has blessed us so much today and all the other times that we've read it on our own was written by a man that was in prison who never met the people that were being written to and that on top of that was chained for speaking the truth and sharing God's Word. You can Do the same, ladies. You don't have to be in prison. Or maybe there are some chains that you feel today are holding you back. Whatever your situation is, you can be an instrument through whatever your circumstance. Pick up a parchment, so to speak. Tell people about the power of the Lord. And third and final closing, we see grace. Grace is the final period. It's the payoff it's the exclamation punctuation at the end. It is Paul's postlude to this song, the postscript of this parchment, grace. Grace, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, charm, loveliness. That which shows the favor of God, the merciless kindness by which God, exerting his holy influences upon souls, turns them to Christ. That's what grace is having the knowledge that you can turn to a beloved Lord, and not just turn to the Lord, but to actually have it kindle them to exercise that same practice in their life, to love the Lord. You see, we have this benefit, this gift of grace, Remember how we started this whole thing? Give to your bondservants what is justly and fair. See, God has given us something that we shouldn't have gotten. Justly and fairly, we should have been tossed aside. And yet he, by grace, gives us benefits. He, by grace, gives us a reward for something we didn't do for something that we had no way of even thinking or repaying him for. God's grace has brought each of us to this place at this time. We've had our hearts knit together by this scarlet thread of salvation that our Savior has woven in the women that are in this room today, if you, if you study scripture, you'll see that there's this red thread that goes throughout, and it's the blood of Jesus. It started out with God sacrificing animals to cover Adam and Eve when they first sinned. And it goes all the way to Jesus, shedding his blood on the cross. You see, the Epis and all the other 147 women that are in this room, Together, we are so much more than the sum of our parts because of God's goodness and grace. And there's no place that we could see it more magnified than when we take communion and we actually remember him and the sacrifice that he made for us. So ladies, let's pray now and get ready for communion. Um, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much that it's your love that compels us, Lord God, that you, through your grace, has brought, have brought us thus far, that you've knitted hearts together, Lord, to your glory, for your purpose, for this time in this life that you've given us. And so, Father, as we come before you now and uh, take the elements, Lord, We ask that you indeed would be the one to lead and guide. Father, we're just so grateful to you. Who are we that you should be mindful of us? Who are we that we should be so privileged? And yet we know that we know that one day we'll be able to see you face to face and just see how beautiful you are and just worship you all the more for it. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.